0: Do you love pushing limits? Are you intrigued about marathon swimming, but unsure where to start? I'm recruiting now for my next Quick Start for Marathon Swimming virtual group coaching course. Whether your next big swim is 5K, 10K, maybe 20K or longer, the same principles apply. You want to ensure that you're swimming efficiently and that you have a training plan that targets your problem areas and is customized to you and your schedule. This is just the beginning of Quick Start for Marathon Swimming. We also cover feed planning, cross-training, how to mentally prepare for your next big swim, all in a comfortable, supportive group atmosphere. Find out more at (music) IntrepidWater.com. Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we hear the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm Marathon Swimmer and Coach, Shannon Keegan. Just like you or I, James Pitar, realized he was never going to be a sprinter, preferring the distance events. And just like you or I, he overheard someone talking about the English Channel, and started to dream of the possibilities. Just like you or I, James builds a team to help him achieve his goals. But James doesn't have the luxury of visual cues. He can feel the heat of the day and hear whistle cues for right and left. But James lost his vision due to a rare retinal disease when he was 13. He tells us all about it in this episode. Enjoy. welcome james thank you so much for being my guest today
1: thank you for having me
0: (laughs) i'm so excited i'm so excited to meet you thank you for reaching out i just it was just lovely getting an email out of the blue from um, a marathon swimmer so i can talk to them it just makes my day so i really appreciate you reaching out
1: (laughs) no no thank you and i I saw it because i looked at all the different ways towards. I thought, oh, that's an interesting one. So I thought, well, I'll email this person and you brilliantly responded promptly. So thank you. (laughs) I usually always open it up really broadly. So
0: you get to take this wherever you want. James, what's your story?
1: (laughs) Well, my story is is that when I was about the age of um, 13 or 14 years of age, I I developed an eye disease known as retinitis pigmentosa, um, which is a disease that for some who might know, it ends up destroying the retina, the back part of your eye. It's it's meant to be a hereditary disease, um, but not in my family. But mm. I suppose a bit ironically, um, both my, my, my father is an ophthalmologist or was an ophthalmologist surgeon. Oh. Um, my mother was an orthoptist. And the two generations before my dad were also eye doctors or ophthalmologists. So it, it was a really sort of ironic twist that, this disease that 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 can lay can lay dormant, and there are different streams streams of it, such as X-linked, um, and I'm I'm luckily that where um, not not X-linked. It's there's it either dominant or recessive, and I'm thankfully recessive, mm, okay. which means that which meant that when I wanted to have a family and I met my wife, that um, it would be about a one in three or four thousand chance that our child could get it. So they right. were pretty good odds. Yeah, Whereas yeah. the dominant is about one in four. So, oh,
2: um,
1: so it's it's an eye disease. Um, and most people who get it, um, lose the um side vision and and remain central. I did the opposite to that. So I was really a unique situation. So I developed that sort of part way through high school. Um, and got through and finished year twelve. I'm not sure what you call that in the states when you get to 18 years of age. Whether that's twelfth grade, sure. yep. <laughs> yeah, twelfth grade. Okay, so that's that's all, yeah. So um, and I got to that, and I, I I started getting involved. Someone invited me to get involved in blind swimming pool competitions. Okay. Um,
0: so did you have a background in swimming? Were you a swimmer as
1: a kid? Um, I, I was a swimmer as a kid because my dad. Um, loved swimming in the surf when he was a kid and he loved competing when he was a child. And he actually, in our backyard, he built um, a swimming pool when, we, when I was about seven or eight years of age. And um, he built it in the, at the start of winter. Mm. Um, and we thought, well, what are we going to do for the next six months? And he, he had this brilliant idea of um, getting 20 trout. And we went and did fishing in the backyard pool. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we we caught three of them. They were quite quite nice to to eat. We didn't get the other seventeen, but um, <laughs> did you get to uh, swim them? <laughs> they didn't swim with them. We just caught. We stood there with our fishing lines in our backyard pool. <laughs> and my dad thought this was a great idea, so he he, he got us in, he got me and my brother and my sister involved in swimming. Um, and and it was sort of from a kid's point of view. I mean, we did it, and we went and did swimming lessons at our local school, and things like that and, and sort of surf life-saving and life-saving and those things and we went to the beach every weekend and went swimming so I think it was ingrained in me that I was that I got involved in swimming as a youngster and but my dad didn't really ever force it to ourselves or to my brother and sister about you know do you need to compete and so forth that really wasn't part of it um, and I think that was the enjoyable thing it was just my, my dad had this thing that his kids could never beat him in a race in our backyard pool. <laughs> right. Of course that, that works all right until you get, he gets slower and you get fitter and then mm-hmm. the problems start. And eventually he did get beaten. But um, so I, I got in, as I said, I, I, so I think as a youngster, we did swimming, we went to the beach. My brother very much enjoyed surfboard riding and, and I like body surfing at the beach. So it was sort of ingrained that we really enjoyed it. And, um, and so I think that it came from that sort of going every weekend and, you know, playing with my brother and sister and my dad and my mum in the backyard pool and having lots of races. I think that was a great thing to do. Whether that was in, whether I knew where that would take me, I, I don't know at that point in time or I didn't know at that point in time. And right. as I said, when I was about 18, 19 um, and I um, started getting involved in, in the blind swimming pool competitions and and that was just and and I got involved in them, and and it took me to places around the world, like to the Netherlands, um, and to China. No but way. it was it was it was an interesting thing because I, I I don't I think it took me a long time to probably because I've been sighted to the age of thirteen or 14 mm-hmm. and fourteen, and gone to um schools and and you know played with my mates and I think played sport with my mates. I think I it took me a long time to understand for myself that I. That I was blind and that might seem a strange thing to say but I think it it, it took and it was probably when I got involved in the blind swimming pool competitions I realized that everyone was the same and that you know it, it, it was in there going out there and swim and right. I think that that made a big difference to me because I thought here, here's something you know this is the being involved being with blind people um, and I think that was great and I got involved in these swimming pool competitions and I quickly realised after, well, it took me a bit of time to realise that I was never going to be a sprinter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, never going to be a sprinter. I was a very slow pace. I love the long events, but the mm-hmm. 400 metres was the, was the longest in my category. And, and I knew that was not, that was too short. I was too slow. Um, you needed to be a really good sprinter. Um, and, and I was not that. I enjoyed doing the blind swimming pool competitions. And, I mean, to go over to, to the Netherlands and China um, and see what that was like was was fantastic as a person and um, to to go around the states of Australia and do national championships to go to Thailand, um, and and which was another competition we went to and and to England was a lot of fun and I think that really did show me that it it, it was a lot of fun and then I I started getting involved so after a while I thought right I know that I'm not good enough. To go any further than than what I'd done in the blind swimming pool competitions, and I I, I went in and entered myself in a, a swim which was from one beach to another, it was about two and a half k's,
2: mm. and it
1: went really well. And like, I swam how, with how my old brother.
0: Were
1: at this point? I was what was I at this time? 991 so I would have been 20 22, yeah, 22 okay. years of age, okay. and I swam with my brother, and um, and it was just a really, and we swam from one beach to round the headland in, into the next, and it was a lot of fun. I went yeah, this is, this is what I want to do because this is going to serve my purpose. I'm not quick, but I'm someone who can just keep on going all day. And I thought, right, that's, that's where I want to, to go. And someone I, I then met, and I don't know if many of your, um, your listeners would know, a person called Des Renford in Australia, mm. who um, he, 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 at the age of 43, served the English channel for the first time, and he went on to, to to attempt it nineteen times and complete it nineteen times,
2: wow. which
1: which is a, an absolutely unbelievable um, when you're between forty three and fifty three years of age, yeah, but wow. to never fail in a, in a place where the English Channel well, up when I did it in nineteen ninety eight only had a twelve percent success rate of anybody's attempts and only a seven percent of doing it on the first attempt, for him to have completed a hundred percent was just amazing and. I met him one night at a, um, a, a, at a charity swimming event that I would got involved in. It was just swimming as many laps as you could in an hour. Mm-hmm. And I been there and I went up and I, I started asking a few questions. Unfortunately, my dad was standing behind me and I didn't want him to know what I, the questions I was trying to phrase. <laughs> and I, I was trying very hard to make out that, oh, yes, no, I was not asking these questions, but in a way I was. And I thought, and as I walked away, I said to myself, yeah, I want to swim the English Channel. But All I, right. but I, but I knew, I knew what that meant, and I knew that that meant that people would say to me, that you're blind, and how is a blind person going to be able to swim in the English Channel when you can't touch the bait, no. and you're swimming in, in the open water? How are you going to do that? And how is this going to work? Um, it, oh, am I still going? Yes. Yeah. Yep. You there?
0: Yeah. Oh Ooh. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm on bated breath. My, my, my was, how?
1: <laughs> <laughs> my computer just made some noise that's right i'll keep going so to me i knew that was always going to be a really tough thing to convince people that how is a blind person going to swim this english channel how are you going to do all these things and so it was about convincing people that it was possible to be done
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to me it was about um my coach and my group got together and went right here are the obstacles right that you've got to be able to swim next to the boat successfully you need to be able to i'm still here oh that's right i kept going okay um, just... sorry about that. yeah you still here? it. yeah so, um and that um what happened is is that so and, and you can't touch him on aboard the boat um you you can't you know you've got to swim near the boat and how are you going to get fed your your carbohydrate syrup and how are you going to be able to swim? You know, not going all over, the, swimming in, you know, in in around in circles. How are we going to do this? Right. And and it, it was about that. It was trying to convince people that yes, this was possible. And um, and so that night I walked away thinking, yeah, I want to do this, but I knew it was going to take time, and it took me. That was nineteen ninety. It took me till the middle of nineteen ninety eight, so it did take mm. some time. Yeah, but for those, the way we the way we did it, or the way I did it with my swims, and I've done it ever since, is that we have a whistle system or a loud hailer system. Okay. So we have we have one long blast over here left, two short ones over your right, and the one I've never heard three long blasts is a shark. Ah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> now, never heard that one. Thankfully, thankfully, um, thankfully yes, but um, it's about, and so that was it. Was all about. And then what we would do for being fed in the English Channel was that we would get fed um, my carbohydrate syrup and we would have this long swimming pool pole with ropes mm-hmm. connected with an open water a water bottle and an open-ended syringe that had my goo in it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: every hour or every half an hour, they just, you know, they'd blow a whistle into the loud hailer and I'd stop and I'd brush up and get my feeds and, you know, take what I wanted and, and chuck it away and, and keep swimming and my group would get it take the pole up and get it ready for the next feed and people looked at this and went wow how's this you know and it was funny because when we went to the english channel they they looked at the feeding pole and went oh is this going to work i'll never forget the morning after we did the swim we had three people there measuring it going that was magnificent how can we get this and i went wow that shows that it did work because you've just proven that you've you've had three people standing here you know doing all these things and measuring it so for me, the English Channel was what I wanted to do because I'd, it was such a big thing. Um, and at that point, I think only the year, or it was only 20-odd people had, had done the swim from Australia, the English Channel, up until from 1965 to 1998. And so it, it was a, a, a thing that, you know, I'd heard so much about it from Jez Renford and from other people I knew in Sydney. And it was something that I said, yeah, I, I want to swim the English Channel. And, you know, as I said, I, I knew it would take me a year to, to train and mm-hmm. we did some very interesting training methods um, such as, you know, you knew it was going to be long and tough and, and long, wrong, long stretch and boring moments. And mm-hmm. so my, my coach said, right, what I want you to do is I want you to go and, and, and buy a, a tethered rope and tie it to the fence posts of your pool at home
0: mm-hmm. and
1: mm-hmm. swim against that tethered rope for two or three hours in the cold in the middle of the night. Yeah. And if you said that's what you possibly could be doing in the English Channel, you could be out there at 2 in the morning. and true. And, it's gonna, and, and <laughs> you know, you don't know when you're going to start. You hope you start it in the middle of the day, like, you know. But, you know, she said, look, you've got to make sure that, and this is something you can do on your own. You don't need to get us out there to kayak next year. You can just go and do it in the middle of the night. So I would I go and, and swim in the middle of the night and, or, you know, and, like, late in the evening and with a tethered rope and swim in the, in the cold of my parents' backyard pool. And I remember one night I my parents were having a dinner party and I walked in and and they said, and who's that? And they said, oh, James, you just done a two-hour tethered rope. You'll come and join us for dinner in a moment. And, <laughs> oh, okay, right. And, and I, I just started laughing at my mother going, well, yeah, that's, he, he's having a shower. He'll join us in a moment. So, yeah, we, we had to do things differently in relation to the way you train because for me to go out and train in the open water I always needed someone with me like someone mm-hmm. I can't, I was training in Sydney or it was all right in the pool because I can go and swim on my own in the pool mm-hmm. uh, in, in either a, your own pool at home or a lap pool but in the open water where you wanted to get the the, distance, um, yeah. the the distance and you wanted to get the the motion of swimming in the ocean I always had to have someone with me so mm-hmm. it was again thinking about the training methods and thinking the way how you had to always think outside the square because it was you're dealing with this was the situation. And I think that's, um, you know, and as I said, so, and, and before the English Channel, I did lots of events, like we have a swim from Perth to Rottnest Island in Australia,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is Indian Ocean, which is 22 Ks. And I did that about six months before the English Channel swim. And that really did, um, yeah, it was a great test. Even though it was half the distance, roughly, it was still um, a great test being in the Indian Ocean and having seven-foot swells against you the whole time, so yeah. I think. And 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 the lead up to my English Channel swim is because um, they they wanted to see how I swam next to a boat. They got yeah. me out there to do a trial swim to, uh, for an hour mm-hmm. using the using using the, the the whistle system using the feeding pole, and the the boat captain he brought me in after forty minutes because he was going to make a decision whether he would take me because yeah, I wanted to see how this would work. He said, mm. that is the best thing I've ever seen. And he said, and tomorrow morning, the tide's good. Go home and I'll see you in six hours. And I went, oh, <laughs> that's not very good. That's not very good news. But the, the tide did change and we didn't do it the next morning, but oh. we did it three days later. Okay. And I think that is that was the funny thing about it is that, you know, that there it was that he, he'd seen what what we'd done in that 40 minutes and went, yeah, I'm, I'm let's go. Let, let's yeah. get on with this. And, so the English Channel was a day that you, you know, luck's the draw, had everything going away with the wind and the weather and the tides. Um, it was a pretty glassy day and it took me 13 hours and 50 minutes. Um, I got there in the end. Um, and it's, you know, you, you, it's, it's funny because I, it's, I, I think in open water swimming, in my opinion, you only swim perfectly well to what you want probably two or three times in your career. And by luck, to the draw that was one of those times, and I mm. just had a day where I swam well. I swam well to what my group wanted me to do. Um, I, I, it's funny; after the first two hours, I didn't ever think I was going to fail. Oh really? Yeah. So I just, I the just, started, second hour, I just went, "I'm going to do this." I, I, I didn't have any, any troubles, and mm. I think I was really convinced. My coach was magnificent two nights before the swim when she said, when I was very nervous, she said. I would not. My team and I would not have brought you here if we don't believe you can do this.
0: Mm.
1: I think that was a great thing to say because it's like, why would we bring? You, why would we do this? Yeah. 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 We, 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 uh, I, if I didn't believe you could do this, I would, We wouldn't be here. And I thought that was a fantastic thing to say. And as I said on the day, I just got. I started eight in the morning. I finished ten minutes in the dark. So I finished. I had the sun with me the whole day. Wow. It was twenty. It was twenty-three degrees air temperature, which is unheard of, 70 degrees water temperature in July, which is unheard wow. of in England, wow. yeah. and, you know, not much wind, and the wind got up in the last um, half an hour when I was inside the French coastline. So, I mean, everything went my way, and I've got to say that the, the probably the funniest thing of the whole day was at the, um, and I didn't know this because obviously, and, and our advantages of being blind. Is, <laughs> Do tell us. <laughs> and the, the advantage of being blind is you can't see where you are.
2: Right, yeah. And therefore, your
1: coach and your group can tell you anything you like, they like. Yeah. (laughs) you can't see what you're doing. (laughs) Right. You can't see that they're making up absolute lies in the background. (laughs) Right. So, you know, at at, at about the, I think where it was, about the nine-hour, 10-hour mark, my my coach said, I came up and said, where am I? She said, you're only halfway. I'm thinking 20 hours. (laughs) And about 20 minutes later, the rest of my group said over the loud halo because you could hear what they were saying. <laughs> He's more than three quarters of the way to France, you beauty. And I knew, yeah. So you can't tell lies because yeah. the rest <laughs> of just paid you out over the loud halo. I can hear what they're saying. So you, you don't know, and that's an advantage because you therefore you just you just do what your team tells you to do.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's good because you just follow that. And you know, you're not seeing that that white cliffs of over is still there five hours after. You know, right. you're still going. You know, and I, the the most critical part of the of my swim was at the 12 hour mark, and I didn't know this again when my coach said, "Right, these next 10 minutes, I want you to sprint." Mm. Oh God, <laughs> God help us. We're in. You know, so I did, and she said, "I'll give you a feed in 10 minutes' time. Don't worry about the feed; just swim." And I sent my heart out, and I got, and I got, and she said, "Right, good. I'll give you a feed now." What I didn't know was there was this sandbank in front of me before I started oh. sprinting. Oh! <laughs> she told me later, and she said to me, if you hadn't got across that sandbank, the tide was going to change. It would have been another six hours of swimming.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And she said, once you got over that sandbank, you were an hour and three quarters away from, um, fr- from the end. But she said, you'd got past the tide, and therefore you, you, you didn't have to swim for another six hours. And I, and I knew that was the difference between succeeding and failing. And it mm. took me hours and fifty minutes. And I think, uh, and I, I'd completed the English Channel in the first attempt, which I thought for me was like, oh, oh, you know. And I, in my mind, I hadn't told anyone I wanted to try and break fourteen hours. Mm. I did it with, t- and at the end, when I minutes. said to the observer, "How long did it take?" and he said, "It took you thirteen hours and fifty minutes." I went under my breath, I went, "I made it with ten minutes to spare." Yeah. But no <laughs> one knew. But no one knew that's what I was thinking at the time. And I, it t- to me. The English Channel was, on that day, was just a magnificent day where everything went really, really well. But I think afterwards it is what I got out of the English Channel is, is A, the swim on the day, but B, what's happened afterwards. Because as being one of the first blind people to swim the English Channel, you get asked to get involved in things such as um, different charity events.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, you know, the Fred Hollows Foundation, and that's an organisation that I think there's an you have one in the States, United States of America, which, which tries to, over the last 20, 30 years has tried to um, restore eyesight to people with cataract, eyesight problems that have gone blind because of cataracts. And, and also trying to give um, better health conditions to Indigenous Australians. And to get involved in that, and, and to be asked to be involved in that, asked to be involved in different, like the Rainbow Club, which I'm the ambassador for the last 20 years, where we provide one-on-one swimming tuition to disabled children here in Australia. And I think to, that's what the English Channel did afterwards. It, 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 it got me involved in, in different organisations, and which I've continued to, to this day. And I think that, that was the great thing that came out of it because people did ask you to do speeches and different things and, and, and to be involved in different, you know, to be involved in a thing called the Royal Far West School here in Manly where we try and help Indigenous children and give them better health and education. And to do speeches for those kids was a lot of fun. Mm,
2: That's
1: fantastic. And so it it got me involved in these organisations. So I think the the English Channel was not only, and and as you would have heard, um, um, Australia Day is a big thing here on the 26th of January, which was Mm. last Tuesday. Um, And we we have a thing where um, we're in Australia Day. What we do is we have a thing called an Australia Day Ambassador. And you go around and you, you speak in towns around New South Wales here in my state and about, you know, what you've done in your life and, and to the communities. And I've done that for the last 20-odd years. That's and, cool. again, that came about because of the English Channel. So I think that that things came from that. But it was really after the English Channel I just kept on getting involved in doing swims all around the world um, and going to places like New Zealand and Anzac Cove, which is very special to Australia, um, where we fought in World War One, to be allowed to do an open water swim into Anzac Cove, which is a very special place for Australian, New Zealand and, and Turkish people. Um, and to, to, to be able to do, you know, I set myself a goal of of trying to um, uh, do an open water swim in every continent, excluding Antarctica. I made sure I said that. Um <laughs> Before I got before I made the comment, and right. I, did, I did I did do an open water swimming in six continents within three and a half years, and I think that yeah that was a lot of fun doing that, and doing other swims around and, and raising money for different charities has, has been a lot of fun, um, and then in two thousand and four um, I met my wife, um, and I met her online, um, through <laughs> um, so that's always you know and and that was and and we've had a child. Uh, two years after we got married in 2005. So our daughter Annika is born in 2007. So that was a really interesting thing to be a blind person and getting married. Um, and that I think that was also a, yeah, I think that was an interesting, interesting thing for me um, or uh, being single to that point in time. So and I think that's taught me, my wife has taught me many, many things in my life mm-hmm. and has been absolutely fantastic in my life. What was it? Um, you
0: say it was a, an interesting thing as a blind person well, to get married. How was it? I think,
1: I think I just didn't know, you know, he, he that, you know, that you, that, that you and your, and your spouse um, had to get to know what it meant to be blind. Mm, and I yeah, think yeah. that, you know, and, and that's hard. And I think it's yeah. hard and, and getting to, how do you respond to different things and like, it's all right when you're here in your, in your home conditions and you do your things every day. But when you go overseas and you you go on holiday together and you're together with for, for you together for twenty four hours
2: days
1: mm-hmm. uh, in that holiday and you're in a different country in a different time zone, how do you get to know? You know that that's about you know you've got to get come together and be a team um mm-hmm. you know, and and that's a a hard thing because you're outside your normal controls you're outside your normal comfort zones
2: mm-hmm. so you have
1: to learn about each other you have to learn yeah. about people's idiosyncraties and you have to learn about, yes, this person is blind, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and these things. I might just close the door. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's getting to know. Um, they, they, and so I think, And but my wife has given me and taught me many things in, in my life. And, 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 and I think that's just been, and she's just been a magnificent support in all my swims. And I think then obviously I was very nervous. that Obviously we wanted to have a family and we were lucky enough to have a child. But, you know, and, and, how, and how I would go with having a child, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and that was going to be a difficult thing. And, and luckily we met someone um, before we wanted to have a family who, who was a, a, a blind person who had three children. And it was just great. And he was reassuring. He just went, no, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and don't worry about this. You, you will be fine. Um, yeah. It will work out. And, and and that was a true statement, but you don't know that at the time. But
0: right, you know,
1: it's, it's about, and I remember that I, um, what was really good for me was that um, my, my wife, um, when I think my daughter was two or three, she went, um. Uh, it, one day a week she went away for her work, and mm-hmm. I took a day off work for about five months, once a week, and um, looked after my daughter, and that was a great thing. It was a really, really good thing to do. I learnt lots, lots of things from that. So I think having a family for me was a was a totally different thing from doing swims around the world, where you you you, you get to the country and you do the swim, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 to me that was um, I think it was a a totally different scenario and and having a family and um, all those things was just, I found that, you know, uh, it it took me time to get into it, but I think, you know, I got used to, you know, uh, as I said, doing things with my daughter and I think it's been fine. I think we have a great relationship, the three of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And and my daughter and I have a great relationship because, you know, we we know that there are limitations at times. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so it's, it's, um, and, I mean, for me, so, and, and, and then I, I, I think for me with the with swims um, that I, I also wanted to, um, um, uh, in about 2008, I sort of finished doing um, the, I'd done all the swims I wanted to do. I'd done the Catalina Channel in America. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't at the time that I'd become the first Australian to, to, to do the Triple Crown of Open Water Swimming. Um, when I did Catalina, um, after doing Manhattan Island and, and the English Channel. And I'd ha- I have to say that with Manhattan Swim, um, that it was, that was a lot of fun swimming around. It's now called the 20 Bridges Swim in New yeah. York. But yeah. to swim around that was, and again, that was funny because swimming down the Hudson, you just don't know how quickly you are actually swimming. And I right. didn't know that. And I thought I was swimming very slowly. And my coach said, yeah, but if you could see how quickly you're going against that wall... On the Hudson River, you'd know that you're <laughs> swimming well. So it's just that lovely eight knot current behind you helps a lot. And I said, Yeah,
2: yeah
1: <laughs> exactly right. And, um, but I think that, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I, as I said, the um, after I'd sort of finished in 2008 all the swims I want to do, then they talked about the ocean seven swims. And I thought I'd have a, uh, and I'd already done four of the seven and I had a crack at being Hawaii, um, which I I failed in because I got very bad i got a back injury um oh. at, at, at the start of the swim we swam through nine foot dumpers to get out to where the boat was and and that was just hard work and and i just kept on getting pounded and my you know at about the five hour mark i gave it away and went nah this is this is gonna i could think i can feel things shitting down my legs and, oh. and when i got when i got back to the chiropractor he said, well, you've locked out your pelvis and you've done this. And he said, and you spent for five hours with that. And I said, yes. He said, right. Okay. I think you've got a fairly good pain threshold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think, but but I think I was, again, I think for me, one of the things I've, I've been lucky in my life is I think that whenever someone gives you an opportunity, you, you need um, to take the opportunities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've, I've been lucky because um, after after Hawaii, um. I thought, well, that you know, I, I didn't do the other two of the Ocean Sevens, which was the North Channel, and the Segari Straits. Um, mm. I didn't want to do. Well, I thought, no, and, and the training was just so immense with the young family. Went, no, I'm, I'm not going to get, not going to do these. Uh, and but and by, by lucks of fortune, I got involved in the first ever stage relay swim across the entire length of the Bering Straits
2: wow.
1: without wetsuits That's in 2013, fantastic. and I, I I'd never done relay swims before. I'd always mm-hmm. done it as an individual. And I think this was a totally different thing for me because I'd never done a thing where, you know, you swim for 10 minutes as we were doing and get off and sit there in the boat and have a great chatting with all your mates. And I, I think that was just a different world because I'd never experienced that. As an individual, it's always you and the focus is upon you. Whereas in relay, it's about, yes, you are out there swimming, but it's about, you know, collaborating with the people, making sure it works. And, you know, to have 65 other people from 15 other countries and from the other five continents was fantastic. That's and I, nice. I, it, it's a swim that just, how, how it got done with the, the just the amount of things that went on in it, like the, the swells and, and, you know, the, the North Alaskan current, which we didn't know where it, that it was there, and we spent a day and a half getting through that. And I just think that, um, you know, to have people from different countries and different backgrounds, was magnificent and
2: mm-hmm.
1: really it was just to swim from providini in russia to Cape wales in alaska was was yes it was cold yeah just be clear cold. It cold, but <laughs> yeah it, it was cold and i, I, I you know, yeah i did all this training in my backyard pool and it was six degrees and there's no it didn't relate anything like that in the in the Bering Strait, but Thankfully, the first two rounds of the swim I didn't get, it. I wasn't sending because of the conditions were too rough.
2: Mm. <laughs> and, you
1: know, to, to make it sound interesting or you know, what was interesting for me was that we lived on this 100-metre Russian military ship for seven, 12 days. But to get out to where the swim was and where you did the swim, you had to get in this little inflatable inflatable rubber boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you had to get off the pontoon and into this little rubber boat and... You know, there were times when you'd be, you'd be five meter swells and you're having to jump off the pontoon. And it was like, holy, this is just, you know, and, you know, and, and so they didn't send me out for the first two rounds because it was conditions were too bad. And thankfully, it was, that's when it was 2.3 degrees. I went, yeah, I'm pleased I didn't go out then. Um, I went out when it was five, which was a lot better than 2.3. It <laughs> um, wasn't great, but it was better than 2.3. And um, it, it was something that I really, and as I said, then having to, we, we swam in, what happened was you had three people in each in each boat that went out and swam, you did 10 minutes each and you high five the next person. Okay. That, and that was always funny because trying to find the next person, I always went third in my group
0: yeah. and trying to
1: find the, the person who was first in the next boat and trying to high-five them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how am I going to do that? You know, and and some would be in the water going, go left, go right, <laughs> high-five them. Now, you've got to get back on board the boat quickly. Oh, you're freezing, no. yeah. Because oh everyone's freezing. We sat here, <laughs> the other two people sat and watched you for the last 10 minutes, get on with it. And so, you know, you had to climb over past this engine and over a bar and sit down and you'd be straight back to the uh, the main ship and then you had to be pulled up onto the, the pontoon of the main boat. And it was just that the way that the Russians um collaborated this and did it was outstanding. And how no one ended up with doing any injuries is... Just showed how what a great effort they did do because wow. you know to think that there are times where you know you almost got impaled against the pontoon of the boat. You were going in and out of of an IRB into, into rubber boat into a main boat and having to come down stairs when it was you know five and six metre swells. I, I'm just surprised that no one did a mate. I mean we had lots of bruises and scratches and scrapes mm-hmm. because you're obviously getting it, you know being pulled up and on and that's fine. That you respect that's going to happen. But um, it just was a, a, an amazing thing to be swimming there and swimming you know in five degrees and swimming across the international Dateline. Um, wow. uh, that that was a, that was really cool, actually, I think in my own opinion. cool. I'm in a different air. Yeah, I've crossed the international Dateline, and yeah. uh, as I said, we met this North Alaskan current where we went nowhere for a day and a half, and i will oh never forget the three South African swimmers went out and did their 30 minutes of swimming. And they came back and I said to them, how did you go? And the three of them said, well, James, in a half an hour swimmer, we made 90 metres. <laughs> and I said to the mate, I said to the first bloke, and I said, so the number one, the, the, the first person who swam first, and they go, how far did you get in your 10 minutes? I got 130 metres. <laughs> I turned the other two and I said, well, that actually means you guys, went backwards. Yes. <laughs> we did. So it took us we, we eventually did get to, to Alaska and 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 I, I just think to get this swim done with so many people, different people from who had different all had different swimming abilities um with the conditions and 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 the, what we had was just amazing. And I think when we finished it was like wow and I, I'll never forget I said to my wife when I got home, because there was no communication, you were just out there bobbing in the mm-hmm. bearing sh- for twelve days. Wow. And um, I said to my wife, "Thankfully, I didn't know that the previous two years they'd attempted this swim and it hadn't worked. I'm pleased <laughs> that the year, the year that I got involved, at work, Isn't that good? You know." So I think opportunity, and out of that swim came I was able to swim from in, in Robben Island the next year in 2014 in Cape Town, um, oh, wow. which which was which the South African swimmers I'd met on the Russian swim invited me and. In. And and it was a lot of fun, and to be able to swim from because Nelson Mandela is one of my heroes in life yeah. to swim from his
0: yeah. place
1: where he was he was um, incarcerated for a long time uh, to swim from there to Blauberg, um, seven and a half k's was just it, 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 to me it was it, it was it was amazing, um, and to then to be embraced at the end by one of Nelson Mandela's um, people who he he'd been incarcerated with was just a thrill, and I think the whole day was was a great thrill. Um, and I suppose after that, for me, I also wanted to write my autobiography, um, and that took me five years. And it, the autobiography is called Blind Vision, and you can purchase it in at www.inspiringbookshop.com. Um, you can either get it as a soft copy um, as, a, um, as a, what do they call it, Kindle or, or, or via Amazon. But it, it took me five years and it was quite funny because I met someone doing a speech for a charitable organisation. He said, you should write a book. And I said, I've tried many times. It hasn't worked. <laughs> so what I want, he said, right, obviously it's going to be hard. So what I want you to do is I want you to get a dictaphone and every night do 25 minutes from your memory.
0: Mm.
1: And every night, and then download it into the computer and send it to somewhere and they'll type it for you. I do that for four months every night. Wow. wow. And it, it, you know, it took an enormous amount of time. It Took me five years to write the book, Um, but I I will never forget when it came back, and I, uh, my mate said, "Right, you now need to get someone to edit this book
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: you've written a lot of words and your English is pretty terrible." And you've done it from (laughs) you. Well, he said, "Look, you've done it from you speaking. Mm
2: -hmm. You know,
1: they've typed it from your speaking." and yeah, you know, you, you've done it from your speaking and you have to um, you know, and 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 so I sent it to an editor and thankfully the editor had never swum in her life before nor her, had her partner.
2: So mm.
1: it was really good to have someone who had no knowledge of of open water swimming, no oh, knowledge yeah. of swimming, and no and she wasn't blind. So and she'd say to me, Remember, James, the, the people you want she that, that wanted that you'd like to read your book are not just open water swimmers, they're the public. Yeah. And they have no idea when you talk about, you know, a neap tide of, t- of between 12 and 25 feet in English. And they have no idea what that means.
0: Right.
1: You, you, you need to bring that back to a level that is got you got you to think about you're going to relate to someone who's never swum in the open water.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so right. it was really good to have someone like that who was going, right, remember, remember, you just can't, <laughs> can't put in some, you know, some nautical some nautical term that no one's ever heard of because it's not going to wash, and I think that was really good. So it took me five years. It eventually got published in. I did it through a self-publisher in um, December of 2019, um, and yeah, it's it's been. Um, it, it, it was you know I picked the probably the wrong year to try and get it get it out there being COVID. <laughs> 2020 um you know so that's you know it'll keep going for a while i enjoy i just enjoyed doing it and i enjoyed getting it published and that to me was a thrill and i think that's you know and and i've been fortunate enough like to get inducted into the international marathon swimming hall of fame and the australian marathon swimming hall of fame which is uh which is a which was a great thrill and I, i i and i it's it's funny because um obviously using computer systems i use jaws which is a um, a software for blind people mm-hmm. funny because the international mountain swimming hall of fame i i i i saw that one of my Australia, other australian swimmers had been inducted the year i was and i rang up and i said congratulations you've been inducted and she said congratulations you've been inducted too i said no i haven't she said yes yes, you have we're having this discussion on the bus because <laughs> i was going home from work and i went home and i said to my wife did i get inducted and she looks and she says, yeah you did oh that's great yeah and she said <laughs> I said so that is true watching this lady being been telling me on the bus and you know so three of us from Australia got inducted in, in May of 2010 but it was just a great I, I was just thrilled because I you know there's things that you don't you know that when when someone nominates you for that award mm-hmm. or, it's nice because it means that someone else who's nominated you is, is great that's a great thrill I think and and mm. I and I I didn't get the chance to go over to, to collect the award, but I had a, a function at, at, with some great mates on the night, same night here in Sydney, which was a lot of fun. And I think, yeah, that, those things are nice, but it's nice for me. I, I just like to be able to put back into the sport at times and do things for charities. Yeah, um, that's
2: great.
1: I think that my, I, I have been, I, I believe I've had a very, I think it's I've been born in the right era to be blind when you have so many great communications mm. like you email you can you can um be able to emails i can do i've worked in at my job for the last 32 years and to see the differences in that 32 years for communication
2: yeah and to
1: think that when i started in my work we didn't have google
2: Right.
1: we didn't have like and and for the first two years we didn't have computers Mm -hmm. in the workplace and i i said to one of my colleagues work colleagues who two or three years ago, he was he he he'd been born after I'd started working in my job. And I said, to him, Well you, you realise that for the first two years we didn't have computers and there was this sort of silence. You said, what do you mean? I said we didn't have computers. You know, and I think that's the difference in this day and age is that
2: mm-hmm.
1: you have Google, you can, you know, you can you can get a a Spotify account and, and ask for any song in the world. Exactly. Right. Plays plays it to you. Yeah, just plays it you know, for you, right? Just plays it for you. So I'd like this song, and plays it to you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, or you can do an email, or you can organise a swim from anywhere in the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Or
1: I can do a, a Zoom meeting with you when you're 19 hours behind me. You know, That's in right. time. You know, and, and the communication. And so, for a blind person, you are able to do things like emails and websites, and you are able to work because because you've got those communication tools. Yes, mm-hmm. there are some some drawbacks at times using jaws and so forth. That's fine, but you're still able to do some work, and you're still able to do things like you know, for example, me being able to to be able to when when my editor sent me back the, the draft copy, I could sit there and listen to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I didn't, you know. Okay, the, the difficulty of that is that you're not you're listening to it, you're not seeing how it's written. But right. you know that that someone else can do that. But I mean, that's the thing: the communication in in and the Things that you can do in this day and age um, for people who are blind or have disabilities is, is 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 sort of amazing because you can you can do all these things you can do all these communications and and you can speak to people all around the world or you can you can dial up and listen to any radio station you want in the world.
0: <laughs> right. right.
1: You want to do that? It, it's yeah. an, it's so I think for me, what am I now? 52 years. 52 years later this year, um, and I think. I've just been, I think I've been lucky to mm-hmm. myself a very lucky person. Um, I wanted to, um, I, I, I changed the title of my book from to, to Blind Vision from Blind Luck.
2: Mm.
1: And my mate said, who, who was, who'd been kayaking with me for a long time, said, no, you should never call it that because your swims aren't luck. I see the work you do and the training you do. So mm-hmm. we changed it to Blind Vision. But I think in my life I have been very lucky and that, a lot of the opportunities I've been given I've been able to take
2: yeah. and
1: and that's been a great thing so I think yeah I think I suppose that I maybe rambled on for way too long <laughs> I'm I'm not, I know I've done that and I know yeah it's uh, but it's I think to me it is um, you, you've got to take I think I'd say to people who listen to this you need to when someone gives you an opportunity if you can take it take it nope. because it may never come back like the the Russian swim right you know, yeah I, I, I got involved in that swim six weeks before it happened. I did wow. not know a soul when I arrived in wow. Russia. Not a soul. <laughs> did not, did not. And, you know, the other 65s so never met them, did oh not know gosh. them. And I've arrived, I've arrived and, you know, travelled around the world on my own and arrived in Russia and did not know a soul. And I think, and and that swim, we communicate with each other every day, the, all through the year, my mates from that swim on Facebook, all those things, because, I just, you know, luckily my wife said, yeah, go and do it. Um, you know, it came through a f- friend of mine in America where she sent me an email saying we need an Australian to make the sixth continent and the 16th country. And <laughs> I, sat, I sat there at my work computer thinking, and who would be stupid enough to do that? And <laughs> my wife went, came home and my wife said, you're going to do it? I said, I didn't think of me doing it. She said, we'll back you. Off you go if you want to do it. And, and I went off it and that was six weeks out from the swim and wow. that, that was an opportunity and by luck's the draw I was in the right position at the right time I had a job where I could take three weeks off um I was lucky enough that my my wife and daughter had supported me and you know luck's the draw and it worked yeah. on that occasion that I got involved that's just a bit of luck um but it's a bit of opportunity as well um yeah. I took the opportunity you took and it yeah it
0: took the opportunity
1: and, and and then another swim came from it and you know that's just the way that happened but it's I was just in the right time at the right spot and that worked well. You know, it worked and and you know, as I said, meeting these people and I was very nervous, you know, I've arrived thinking mm-hmm. and I and I didn't as I said I didn't know that that, that all these people knew each other because I'd tried this in the two previous years. So they all knew each other and I you knew no one. I'm thinking, well, what, I done? what am I doing? You know, <laughs> and so I think that was a really good thing to understand and to understand that it is about an opportunity and as I said, if you have the chance and you, someone gives you an opportunity, you never know what comes from that. And it's about, you never know where, where things happen and what people will say, Oh, I remember that person or whatever. So I think for me, yeah, it, it's about take take the opportunities. Um, I think you get very few opportunities in life. If you can take them and, and do the best you can with them and, you know, things will come, I think, from that. So I've been lucky in that regard um, that I've taken a lot of the opportunities that have been given to me. Um, And I think, you know, we've all seen in the last year um, about how good is the community spirit that people have. And, you know, to to be allowed to be able to work from home um, by my employer has made enormous difference here in Sydney. What is the work that you do? I work in, in, in the public service. Um, okay. in, 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 I work for the government here in Australia, and yeah, to be able to be given the opportunity to be able to work from home since March of last year yeah. um, till till now is is and, and uh, we've all gone through the COVID nineteen,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's it's a difficult thing. Um, yeah, it's been hard for everybody around the world, um, and it's about coming together as communities, um, coming together as as friends, and I think it's it that's been a really yeah, you know, it's been a hard thing, and you know people having to relate to working from home or kids doing school from home.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: a really difficult um, thing, but it's about let's get it done and let's know these are the limitations. let's yeah, we've got to do these things. So I think that it's going to change, I think the way we do work here in Australia, I think. a lot of people yeah. will, will, will want to work from home in the future. And we've proven in the last 12 months that we can work from home successfully. And I yeah. think that will be, and people will see that, you know, do we need to have massive office towers, um, right. you know, with yeah. lots of people? Do we right. know if you can work from home?
0: Exactly. Why yeah. are we
1: getting you to travel into a, into into the city? Exactly. You can do it from home. And I think we will learn a lot, as all countries will, and the different countries that, that you can, that good things will come out of it, like working from home or adjusting and I think mm. and the way, way you do things and, and, and events, the way you do events, I think that will change. Right. Um, and that will, that will be a good thing. So I think we'll learn a lot from from COVID-19. Yeah.
0: Was there any tough parts of the pandemic for you?
1: Um, I think we, I suppose, just getting used to working from home. Mm-hmm. And also when we had the occasional times where we, where we were locked down, which meant we couldn't really leave the house. at All that was hard. Yeah. um that that's always a hard thing um and only being allowed to go out and do things such as essential shopping or medical treatments mm-hmm. um that that was very hard because you know we my my family and i do think lots of things on the weekend my daughter does lots of school sports
2: mm-hmm. so that
1: that was a hard thing and, and you know you like to go along and watch your kids do sport and when you can't do that and so i think that yeah they're, you know, they're, they're, they're minor things i think for us in australia um yeah you know, yes we had We've had lots of cases. We, we've had cases, but I think we've got through it, and I think that we've... But, yeah, for, for me, it was just adjusting, getting the computer systems to work at home, which took mm. a bit of time. Yeah. Um, and, and as I said, when, when we were locked down, just knowing that that's that's part of the procedure.
2: Right.
1: Um, getting, getting used to wearing a mask when you're out in public, that was, I found that always very hard. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm someone who who has to learn, who, who who has to listen hard to what people are saying. Uh, so when, yeah. they, when, like when they've got a mask, um, that's even harder. You know, yeah, so yeah. Getting, getting used to listening to people and getting, I mean, that's a very small thing, but it's it's something you have to get used to. So, yeah, I mean, for I, sure. Australia has, has come out of the pandemic quite well. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've done, so I think we've been very lucky in Australia. Um but yeah, you guys you know, have done, done well. We've we, we done well, but it's, it's about how you, you know, it's it's a bit easier when you've got 25 million instead of 325 mm. million. That's a <laughs> different. But I'm saying that in, in, yeah. in a way that, you know, that's a lot harder. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot more people in, in, in America and, and England's got 55, 60, 70 million. That's really hard. It's yeah. really hard, you know, and, and people keep, you know. So for for Australia, I think but it's just getting used to the way you do things and you have to yeah. think about, but oh, well, we don't do that. We don't do that. And how do you do those things and how, you know, got to get the computer to work. I'm working from home and you got to phone everyone now instead of just picking up the phone and dialing a few digits, you've got to, you know, and so they're different things. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah. and, and I think you, you learn a lot. I, I mean, I learned I from that. I learned that from, it's just about making sure that you do things right and if you go out in public and, you know, making sure you wear the masks and making sure that you do, you do everything right. And I think that's, that's all you can do yourself. And, it's interesting.
0: You, know, you don't actually even have the visual cue. Like if I forget my mask, you know, and I pull up at the store, I can see other people have their masks on, but you don't actually get to be like, Oh wait, look, I forgot my mask.
1: That, that's <laughs> exactly right. And so you have to put it like, I would put it in my pocket and go, right, I'm going out today. I've yeah. got to put it on. Cause we, 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 the last sort of six weeks since mid December, we've had we've had a situation where we had a bit of, of a lot of cases in the area mm-hmm. where I live. So you were having to wear a mask every single time. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just got to be that automatic, I'm going to wear a mask, you know, yeah. I have to do it. And I think that was, so you've got to put it in the pocket. Yeah. When I walk out that door, get out of the car, right out of the cab, yeah, I'm wearing a mask.
2: Yeah. Uh, yep. and,
1: and that, so yeah, as you rightly say, it's the, it's, you, you get the visual acuities of, yeah, I've got, oh, someone's wearing, I've got to do that. Um, it's just going to become second nature, and yeah. um, you know. And and you go to when I, when I went to one of the outdoor events we had in Sydney four four, four weeks ago. It was like, yeah, got to wear a mask, got to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think I think we've all I think we all learned from the pandemic um, from the way we you know everyone has to do things. And I think there will be good things that will come out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the future things will will change the way we do things and. OK, we, we learn a lot in all societies about what, what you need to do um, and, and how you get along with people and what you do. So, yeah, that, that, that's part of it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, it occurs to me you were talking about how you decided to first train for the English Channel and how you guys you, and I've heard you say it a few times that you like you sat down and you write down. You know, like, what are the obstacles we need to overcome? And then you decide as a team, like, how to go about getting over that. Do you feel that, and I've heard you say it in, with regard to work and, you know, as well as the pandemic, do you feel that, um, like, that, that, that learning, like, from, from your swimming life carrying over into the other aspects of your life?
1: Absolutely. I think you learn a lot from, because you're, you're with a team.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: the most disappointing thing that I found in my swimming career was that, yes, I did the swim, but my team never got the kudos.
0: Mm,
1: they deserved because I can't do the swim without them
0: right
1: Yeah. you can't no no swim can none of us none of us that's correct. that's (laughs) correct. and so it's about and you learn about you learn what you learn I learned from these DNA swims is that you had to organize your team Mm -hmm. and people say to me James it looks like you've rocked up done the swim and rocked up and gone home well if you'd like to see the thousand emails I did in the middle of the night or the phone calls I did in the middle of the night with another country, or I organised my team or got them, got them flights and did this, mm. you, you don't, I think that's, you know, that's the underlying things. And that you learn a lot about your team. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough that I've really only changed my team in the 17 years that I was involved about three or three times. I probably had eight or nine people over that 17 years. Mm. So therefore you get to know them very well. But you learn a lot about yourself and you learn about being in a team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You have to be a team. And when I was at primary school, someone gave me what I thought at the time was a very dumb comment, which was, mm-hmm. strongest chain is only as good as its weakest link. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a stupid statement as a child. But in the English Channel, I realised how true that was because if I had a weak link in my in my team or I was a weak link, it wouldn't work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't work. So it's you learn from the swims because it's a team, team game. Everybody's got. Everybody's doing their job, whatever that job happens to be. I think that when I did my swims, I had the easiest job. Yeah, right. Because all i I do was swim. Right, exactly. Well, <laughs> a I've heard a lot try, of people say that. Yeah, and and also try and um, make sure I listen to the instructions given to me, whether I did or not. Is another point of view. Yeah, but, yeah. Um. Yeah. And that is, so therefore I have the easy, swing, easy part, I think. My team's out there doing strike calculations, kick calculations, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing, getting fees ready, encouraging me, looking at tides. That's a very hard job.
0: Blowing yeah. a loud hailer,
1: difficult job. That's difficult. And making sure that they keep the psychology going as well. So yeah. I learned a lot from that as a, as a team. It's a team game. And I think that's the same in mean, anything you do in work. And I suppose the thing I've found the hardest at work when I'm working in, in with other people is that you can't see people's facial expressions.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And that's a really hard thing because yep. if someone is having a joke, right. you don't know the, their facial expressions. Yeah. And, and I found that the hardest thing in a workplace. But in a workplace, it's about team. It's got to be team. I think that's what I've learned in all of my life is, being a team, whether that's just you and your wife and your daughter or whether that is um, being at work and working in an organisation where you're in an open hand office um, and, or, or, you know, doing the swims. It is about team. The team is, is going to get you there um, and sometimes you have to do it on your own. Like at work last year when we had a lot of people doing lots of different jobs from what they were normally doing, and you were doing right. things on your own, that was a hard thing because it was a, it was on your own, right. and that and that's hard. It's all right when you have a team around you, but when the team has to do different jobs because of the circumstances, it's it was difficult. So, I think to me, I think that's the biggest thing: be a team, um, and work as a team, and come together as a team, and that's what you need. I mean, open plan offices. I'm I'm someone who does speaks a lot, as you realize. <laughs> and I'm a fairly loud person, so I'm not the most endeared person in open work, in an open planned office, but that's about getting to know everyone's quirks and circumstances. Yeah. Getting you know, to know that, your
0: team members, even the weakest link. It's it's really important. I used to work I worked remotely for about 17, yeah. 18 years before yeah. the pandemic or anything. And it was, and yes. often sometimes I'd be the only remote person on my team. And so what you were saying yes. about the, the people having a joke in the room, like I was the only one on the phone. I can empathize anyway. But um, yeah, but, but, but yeah. But, but, uh, I, I, and that's exactly but I work right. with some people who were better at it. They would be like, oh, wait, we have to explain what's on the whiteboard for the person we're on the phone because they can't see it, you know, like, so it's, but it's about that team and building that team and finding the right people for that team. So I, I love that A- message.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's about respect. And it's about understanding who, what, what who's good at what. Yeah. Are, are you said with the whiteboard? Who, you know, you've got, and I worked in an area where we're on the phones. Mm-hmm. And in a situation where you know they said, "I know James knows a lot about that particular topic. Go and ask him," and they would, and vice versa. I'd go, "I don't know, idea," but I knew the other person did. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and you you have the experts who are good at that particular thing, and you go and ask them.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. and, and as you're saying that in in your job, that it's about, okay, if I'm not the expert, then but there's someone who is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's the team being part yeah. of the team. And, and, and each person respects each other's um, knowledge. Right. It's not right. about I'm the best or I'm the worst. It's about... Complementing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's complimenting. Like about
1: it, but it is, That's true. You're complementing each other. Yeah. And, and each other knows that y- you work out who's good at what and go, right, what's the answer? Great. Thank you. That's all I want to know. You know and <laughs> vice versa. And you get to know who's good at what, as, as you said, with your whiteboard and with your... With the phone in, if you're in a different office and and you know you've had in this last year here with my work that you've had to phone other people in other states and mm-hmm. uh, and and know that you've got limitations because everyone's scattered from their normal jobs because of the situation Right. fine right. absolutely yeah.
0: a couple of last swimming questions we're running over sure. time i hope you didn't have anything scheduled at 9am no, that's okay. all right. All right. <laughs> so you've done some marathon stuff. You've done some cold water stuff. What, which do you prefer? What's your favorite?
1: Um, I, I like the cold water stuff. Um, you like I, cold- I, don't do, I don't do very well in the heat. But the one swim that really did, which was a great thrill for me, was to do a swim in Thailand. Oh. And to swim from Maokar Beach to Patong Beach, 22 Ks. Oh,
0: fun. And
1: it, and it was 28 degrees water temperature. Oh, hot. And you know, and part of the swim we started as as, as early as we could in the day. But you know, I spent four hours in the middle of the sun, middle of the day sun. Oh, and you know, and and that to me, when I finished, I went, I'm I was so happy because I went, that has just told me that I can do a hot water swim because everyone said James, you're really good in the cold water and 15 degrees and mm-hmm. 12, 17s and 19s, but you've never done something in 28. So for me mm-hmm. to come out and go. Yeah, I did this swim and I completed it, and it was funny because every time we did a drink break, it was throw a bucket over you, uh, of water over your I head. Sp-
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: that was what happened every drink break. Take the drink, that's the drink bottle. Oh you done that? Throw it over. You, throw the next one over your head, and you know, and you had to do that. And so, to me, it was, um, it. Yeah, as I said, that so that was a thrill for me to do something. But I love the cult.
0: You so, like the cold at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything upcoming for you? Are you planning any? any um, no,
1: well, I, I suppose the only thing I really would love to do is, is again, back to the Fred Hollows Foundation, I want to try and do, and uh, this has taken me six and seven years to get organized, is to try and do a swimming event where kids and people get in, in the pool and, and, and ra- you know, in one month of the year and ra- try and raise money. It's only $25 to, to restore someone's eyesight or $25 oh, wow. Australian dollars yeah. um, and try and get a whole community and try and expand it. But that takes a lot of communication effort. It takes a lot of sitting down with people. got to put together
0: the right team, James.
1: <laughs> you do Indeed. Yeah. And it's called the team will involve not only those who can swim, but it'll involve who, those who are good at technology. And as you can yeah. well see from the stars interview, my technology skills are pretty, pretty weak, um, but it's, you know, it's about the team and it's getting the right questions and getting the right people and getting the right websites, the right apps, um, and yeah. you know, where people can download and raise money. So it's that's something that I would really like to do. Um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort. It will take a lot of effort. Hope we'll get there. hope we'll start small um, and start it going small in my local community and then try and build it. Fred Hollows is all around the world, um, and it's you know it's mainly to try and we want to try and get rid of everyone who's needlessly blind in the world. That's a Um, great mission. (laughs) It's a great mission. It's a great mission, and I've done a few swims for Fred Hollows, and I always go at the end of it. I've given so many you know we raised twenty thousand dollars. I've given so many thousand people the chance to see, and to me that is a thrill. Obviously being blind, to think that you can give someone their sight back. Um, And also, you know, Fred Hollows is—I'll never forget—they did a a mission, or they went and did a a project in with the people in Pakistan. And again, from Australia, I'm—you know—as I said—in Pakistan, I think what happens is a lot of the the young women look after, because they're in in their culture, look after a lot of the people who are disabled. Mm. They said by by being giving these people back their eyesight, it then meant the young girls could go to. Get an education. So not only did it give people their eyesight back, but it gave in this community these young girls an opportunity to get education. Wow. And so I think that's that was really a great thing to understand that from an Australian yeah. point of view because we take that for granted that we will have education.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: It's true. <laughs> everyone gets an education. Everyone goes to school. Right. Well, in some countries that doesn't it's happen. That's true. You know and and, and that the and, and it was like they said that the school rate increased in their education and that gives them a chance in life. So I, I, you know, I just like to get it going whether it happens this year, don't know, but we'll see what happens. So, right. and being involved in charities like the Rainbow Club and giving um disabled children um chance to get one on one swimming tuition it's magnificent when they've got autism and cerebral palsy.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: It is really, um, it's really great. And we, 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 have, um, there was one kid who had very bad autism, and he spent nine weeks running around the pool, just trying that. The aim of the, was to get him in the pool, mm-hmm. and after a year, he swam one lap. And I said, that is a bigger accomplishment, in my opinion, than me swimming in this channel.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: And yeah. someone said, that's, 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 how can you make that sound?" I said, because look at that. That is amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In, in, uh, it's taken a year and he swam one lap. That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I said, that's fantastic to be involved in something like that. So, yes.
0: Yeah, that sounds, that's awesome. I love that. Okay. Last question. Who yep. has inspired you?
1: People who inspired me, Des Renfords inspired me, um, my mother, um, who unfortunately passed away six years ago. Um, she, she's an inspiration. And, and I think because she, <clears throat> she, she, she represented her country in squash and played at Junior Wimbledon um, okay. in the 50s and 60s. Okay. Um, and, and, and I think also my grandmother, my mother's, my mother's mother, who again got me, got me really into sport. Um, she represented her country as well in hockey and lacrosse. Oh, wow. And really talked to me, you know, got me involved in sport, I think. And, and because the other person who's my idol is Nelson Mandela. Yeah. I love and, that. and he's just, he's someone that I look upon as someone who, who to me, is, uh, so, so there'd be two people. Nelson Mandela is a person because he, for his beliefs, was was jailed for 27 years. Mm-hmm. That was, and they that, that were the times. But I think it was more about that he just, it was just, and, and to think that, that you can be, I, I've listened to his autobiography, that you can be jailed for that length of time through the authorities and that was the day. Mm. And four years after you come out of prison, you're the president
2: of your country. Yeah.
1: And, that yeah. you, and, the, and, and, and he said it his, in his book, he said in, in his, when he got, I don't know, anointed or, or, or got the presidency ship, he said, for 30 years ago, the police were coming to get me, and 30 years later they're saluting me. Mm. I thought, wow! Well, I don't know they're the exact words, but there's something like that. And and I think he he had taken the thing of he 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 you know that was he just accepted that, and you know what I thought, wow! This is a man who shows that you can forgive and forget the past, right. and he became right. the president of the country. The other person probably someone doesn't really know a great deal about. It's a bloke called John Stephen Akwadi, a Tanzanian runner who ran in the Mexico City Olympic Games marathon at altitude. Okay. And people probably wouldn't know him. I have to go look it up. (laughs) Yep. He's a man who started the marathon with everyone else and he finished two hours behind the winner. Okay. He fell over six or seven times, had blood running from – Ankles and elbows, but he finished. At the end, he was asked a question by an interviewer or a journalist and said, So, why didn't you give it away? And he said, My country didn't send me 6,000 miles to start this marathon. They sent me here to finish it. That's good. And that's a great thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, that, that to me is what, what, what my suing is about. It's not doing the biggest time, it's getting me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Getting, finishing.
1: And uh, as my dad said to me, it took me 13 hours and 50 minutes to swim the English Channel. And, and in 2012, an Australian man called Trent Grinsby did it in 6 hours and 55 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Right? And my dad rang me up and he said, he did it in half the time you did it. I said, yes, Dad, I know that. I already, I've already worked that one out because <laughs> someone's already read me the article. But I said to my dad, you know one thing? He said, what's that? He's in the book and so am I. <laughs> it doesn't matter how long it took me he's in the book
0: yeah
1: and so am i in the same book yeah it says <laughs> that we got there i got to the other side the other, two quick things the other thing was the lady i, I swam with in russia in the russian swim jackie mm-hmm. jackie cabell from england mm-hmm. in the same year in 2012 she took 28 and three quarter hours wow that's, and i that's... said to my dad that is what the swim is about It Mm -hmm. is getting there. Right. (laughs) Not how long it took, but that's something you like to do in your own life, but it's about getting to the finish. And that's what she did. She got there. It took her 28 and three-quarter hours. But it's still going to say in 50 years' time that Trent Goonsby in the same year and Jackie Cabell banned the English Channel. (laughs) That's right. Not yeah. going to say anything else. And <laughs> yeah. Time won't matter in fifty years, time because it'll still show the two names in the one year. Yeah. Another thing: when I swam the English Channel, my uncle came to me as a very th- sent me a card, a very funny thing, and he said to me, "James, you've done something um, that Napoleon didn't do. You got across the English Channel." <laughs> I said, "Yes," but he had yeah he had a few a few armies to deal with. And he said. <laughs> It was just a funny thing to say and the realisation that, yes, you had crossed the English Channel. And I think that was the aim of the card, what was written in the card. It was that that's what it's about. You've got to cross. Yeah.
0: Yep. And there's another, I guess, the other take on it that I'm um, advocating is that there's maybe not even success and failure, but there's, like, not starting. And I think we should all commend ourselves for starting to take on a big task or wanting to try something huge. Even if you i mean because there's other you know sometimes people don't finish but but they started correct. you know, like I think that correct.
1: I don't know I, I, and, and, I, and, go ahead and that that's correct, and and it's about you've you started the challenge, you've gone to it, and maybe on the day it didn't work, like my Hawaii swim right. did all the training, yeah. got there, did the best I could and to me the the, the thing that was about that swim, I was so disappointed because I thought I'd let down a lot of people, mm. And right. my, my One of my group came and said, James, the one thing you can take from this swim is that you gave 100% in training and you gave 100% on the day. Yep. That's all you need to know. You didn't you didn't fail. You right. did you failed in the link. You didn't get there. But you didn't fail because you gave 100% training for the last eight months. And I know you did that because I saw you do it every day. Mm-hmm. So the point is, and you gave 100% in the swim to your ability, walk away and know uh, you gave 100%, didn't work on the day, off you go. And that was a really comforting, that was the thing that really comforted me. My wife and daughter were very good, they were very comforting, very supportive and said, hey, it didn't work, but you know what? You realise that what your body's capabilities were on the day and you you did the right thing. And I knew that was the right thing mm-hmm. and that was a great thing. And I, and, and, and I walked away going, yeah, I gave 100%. That's all I have to do. I gave 100% and that's all I need to, I need, I need to know and that everything else will, will, will take its place after that. And You know, and yeah, you know, said, you know, got back on the plane and went home. And I think that was a a good thing. So yeah, to start an event is great. And you hope on the day you get there. Right. Sometimes you you don't. Sometimes you don't. And I I met someone who I met someone in England who had attempted the English channel three or four times. He eventually got there. Right. And and his dad said to him, his dad said to him, you know, you've had three or four guys, he was a very thin person. From America, and his dad said, you, "You know, you won't break 15 hours." He ran me and he said, "I broke 15 hours. I did 14 hours and 59 minutes. <laughs> break 15 hours. Yeah, and, you know, and that's all you've got to do." And yeah. I think that's, you know, and it's he got there in the end. And it's you see these people who who um, attempt the English Channel three and four times and eventually get there. And yeah. that's more, I think, a thrill when you do that.
0: Right, right, because it's about
1: coming back, coming back, training, coming back, having a go. Didn't work today. Come back next year. When you do, when you succeed after three or four failures, then it's it means. I think I think so much more and means much more to 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 you because you've done all. You've been through the trials and tribulations. And right. I, I just always think of that poor bloke. I never met him in the eighteen nineties and nineteen hundreds who attempted the English Channel twenty two times and failed twenty two mm. times. And I think, wow, twenty-two times you had to go, and I think, well, that is persistence.
0: That's persistence that is,
1: for absolute sure. Absolute persistence. And considering yeah. the eighteen nineties and nineteen hundreds, you probably didn't have a great deal of, you know, support, support around. I mean,
0: right.
1: yeah, yeah, the conditions, whether as you know, I, he, he did, he, he or she wouldn't have had a, wouldn't have had a, you know, a masseurist and a doctor on board your boat, and you know, all the dietary things. Right. No, you didn't have that any that situation. I think some people used to drink whiskey when they suddenly settled in right. the 1870s, right. <laughs> yeah. 1880s, you yeah. know. People used to have, what was it, a kilo of steak the night before, you know. <laughs> and so those things you just don't, yeah, don't don't come in that regard. Yeah, you know, it's, it's different times. But, you know, unfortunately he failed every time. But he, he had 22 guys. So, you know, persistence, absolutely. Persistence,
0: <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's been wonderful hearing your story today, James. Thank you Thank so you. much Thank for you. your time.
1: Thank you for having me. I hope I haven't rambled on too much, but thank you very much for having me.
0: <laughs> it's been wonderful. I'll be sure and include links to your book and your website and everything in the show right. notes. So thank, thank,
1: you thank you very you much. so much. <laughs> thanks thanks, Bye.
0: Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast. Did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube or join us We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash marathon swim stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.